Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of What You Talking About. I'm your host, Wayne Lacey. Today's guest is a friend of mine. I've known her for over 20 years, um, and she's battled some addiction issues since before I've known her and has lived the life of never quit quitting. She's got a lot of insight to share regarding alcoholism and how it's impacted her family and her life. And there's some really good information that we share in this episode that we are hopeful impacts one of our listeners, if not more. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of What You Talking About. Today's episode is featuring a friend of mine I've known for about 17 years. Her name's Karen Schaffner. Um, she's got uh, some pretty cool stories about life and overcoming some really self-imposed obstacles. Um, welcome, Karen, and uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Karen Schaffner. I live in Charlotte, Michigan. I have three kids. Um, my oldest is 27, and he became a dad about two years ago, so I'm a grandma now. And then I have a 16-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. My 12-year-old's about to turn 13 uh, in a, nine days. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I've got a, I mean, a little parallel. I've got a girl that's going to be 16 in um, two age. weeks. Yeah. Fun age. I got a 12-year-old that she just, she'll be 13 in April. So yeah, dealing with some of the same. So we're right there. Yeah. It's, it's something else. So, uh, you know, uh, that's a little bit of who my guest is today and we're going to jump right into. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? So the premise of the show is, is giving you an opportunity to tell me what you're talking about. All right. So let's, let's get do, in it. Let's do this. All right. What do you want to know? Well, you tell me. So, Karen, you know, um, you shared a post the other day, and it's not the first time, but um, it kind of just popped out at me with what I'm trying to do here. So, you shared a post the other day about um, recovery. Yeah. And uh, so, why don't you just start with that? Tell us um, kind of where it all started, like, you know, what it was, where where it started, and then, you know, maybe when you realized there was a problem. Okay, so I've struggled with um, alcoholism for a very long time. I, I remember the first um, first time I ever drank, I got blackout, um, and I was 16 years old. So that just kind of started my um, alcoholic journey. Um, I went into a treatment center when I was about 22 years old, and, and I stayed for maybe four days, five days. I just wasn't ready <laughs> to give well, it up. Okay. So you, your first time drinking, which is not uncommon was 16, mm -hmm. but you got blackout, blackout drunk. Yep. Okay. And then you checked into recovery one year after legally being able to drink. Yes. Yes. So I, that's some work. That's some work. I, um, I got a DUI, uh, in Cincinnati where, which is where I was living at the time. And, uh, it was part of my court order to, um, it, you know, for my DUI was to, to do, I can't remember if it was just detox or if it was the actual program, honestly, it's been so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead of completing that, um, I, I moved home to Michigan. So, um, I didn't finish any of it. 
statute of limitations has run out of it, but <laughs> so you absconded. I did. You absconded on your DUI. I did. Didn't go to a Reds game for ten years. I didn't drive through the state of Ohio, and I'm from Ohio. Okay. So I didn't drive through the state of Ohio for seven or eight years because I was afraid to. Um, not something that I'm proud of, but it's part of the story. Yeah, I mean, I was young and dumb, and you know, I had a I had a small child. And uh, I just needed to, I guess, get home, you know, to my family, to, to where the people who loved me the most lived. So um, the first time I actually got sober, um, I was 29 years old. Um, I had gone out for lunch with a friend um, that you know. Okay. Can I say her name? Sure. Deanna. Okay. So her and I, uh, we went out and had a, a, uh, a liquid lunch, I guess you would call it. So that, <laughs> that lunch started at about noon and, uh, it, that night didn't end for me until, um, I was at, I can't believe I'm going to reveal this. I was at Omar's. Oh, for those listening, Omar's <laughs> is an adult entertainment establishment. Yeah. And, um, I got kicked out of Omar's for taking my clothes off. Oh. Yes. All right then. Not my finest moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> truly, not my Fair finest enough. moment. But um, my one of my dad's friends, um, his name's Phil Joseph. He um, was about six foot five. Big guy. Really dark black man. Okay. From the islands. Uh huh. Um, he says to the bouncers, he's like, she's my daughter. I'll take her home. We don't look anything alike. Right. <laughs> you just described the opposite of, of who you are, right, from a <laughs> physical perspective. Right. Well, they, they were so annoyed by me that they, they're like, get her out of here, take her. You know? Okay. Luckily, I did know him right. um, and had known him you know, basically my whole life. Right. He's passed away, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a couple years ago. Um but uh, he took me back to his house and he called my dad. And my dad came and picked me up. And uh, this was this all happened a month after my second DUI, where I had gotten arrested in Perry. Okay. At eleven o'clock at night on a Sunday, mm-hmm. in my uh, socks and pajamas. Where were you? Uh, doesn't really matter. But what what possessed you to get out? I don't know. I, I don't even know how I got to Perry. Oh, I don't where were know. you living at the time? I was living in Grand Ledge. Okay, so for those listening that may not understand, that distance is about 20, it's probably about 22 miles. Yeah, So you were So you were 22 miles away from home in your pajamas and socks. Yeah, barefoot, just, okay. my, just my socks uh, with open and talks. Wow. So 30 days after that is when I went to, um, when I got kicked out of, of Omar's. Mm-hmm. So my dad came and picked me up um, from his house. And coincidentally, I was driving my stepmom's car, which I had somehow left. We, we had gone to um, a restaurant that was used to be in the Lansing Mall. Um, so my dad and my stepmom dropped me off back at their house, and then they went and got my stepmom's car. So I woke up the next day, well, next afternoon, and uh, I looked in the mirror and I, I don't know if I said it out loud or if I heard it in my head, 
But I looked at myself and I said, haven't you had enough? And I walked downstairs and my, my dad, my stepmom, my mom, all the people that I loved the most, my stepdad, were there um, to do an intervention on me. Okay. And I said, I don't need it. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> wow. That's so just listening to your introduction to this, I, I, two things stuck out to me. One, when you left Cincinnati, you said you had a, a young child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then seven years later yeah. is when you made your first attempt at sobriety. Yes. Okay. So you have a I'm just going to speculate seven to nine-year-old child. He was nine. Okay, so you have a nine-year-old child. What was the first nine years of that child's life from, you know, what what did that child experience from his, you know, from a maternal perspective? Well, I mean, it took a lot of time for me to be able to reflect back on his childhood, and it wasn't good. Um, Thank God for you know, my parents, my, my dad, my stepmom, and my mom, uh, who basically raised him. Um, it, it just wasn't good for him. It wasn't good for him. And it's, it's so hard because it, he and I did not have a very good relationship for a really, really, really long time. Um, his dad had, had, taken off when he was an infant, you know, a newborn. Mm -hmm. And then to have this mom who was just a complete mess, you know, he just, the kid didn't stand a chance. Right. He didn't stand a chance. So when you were in Cincinnati, it was just you and him. Mm -hmm. So the father, his father had had left. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are living the life and your family that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. they, they were down there or they were up here. So my mom was between um, the Lexington area and then back home. So she had moved down to Lexington. I, I went with her uh-huh. when, when my son was uh, six months old. And then she ended up, and I don't remember how long after we got there that she went back, maybe at two years. Uh-huh. So I was down there essentially uh, two years uh, with just him and me. Okay. So um, a lot of times people, when they talk about, addiction, they talk about those around them as being enablers, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, they just make excuses for you or whatever. Um, when, when you reflect on that, and I've met your mother, mm-hmm. great woman, um, loves her grandchildren more than you. True story. <laughs> True story. Um, so did she try to inter- intervene in any way? Or did she kind of passively enable you by just by being there? Not Mm-hmm. saying it's okay, I've got them, but like just thinking that, I mean, you were 21 years old. Yeah. It's somewhat normal behavior for a 21-year-old to go to the bars and party and have, you know, have relationships yeah. with friends out, you know, in social environments and things. So when you think back at that, do you, do you feel like that she enabled the behavior just by maybe not recognizing it a little bit more? Um, without, you know, re- revealing too much without, you know, having my mom's permission. Yeah. My mom uh, is, is 20 years sober. Okay. So at the time that all of that was going on, we were kind of in our addiction together. Okay. So it wasn't uncommon for us to drink together. I see. You know, um, so in a sense, yes. Okay. You know, there, there was definite enabling there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she went, when she came back to Michigan and mm-hmm. then I followed shortly, which I, I, I'll tell you how that went. Um, when 
when we got back here, it just, it kind of snowballed for me. Okay. Um, because I did have my parents um, there to take the baby. Right. Whenever I. Whenever. Whenever. Yeah. You know. Um, when I decided to come back, <laughs> when I decided to come back to Michigan from Cincinnati, it, it really wasn't my decision. Uh, my dad showed up with a U-Haul and said, he's coming with me. You can come too if you want. But my grandson's coming home with me today. So my, you know, it was my, it was my mom and my stepmom that, you know, got right. to my dad and said, you, you go get our grandson. Dads are great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're awesome. He's my, he's truly one of the greatest humans that I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got back here and then I had, you know, the three of them and, and my stepdad ended up coming into the picture um, right around that roughly around that time um he ended up coming into the picture so you know i had the four of them to just be mom and dad to billy okay so yeah and so uh you said your mom is 20 years yes sober which is awesome um i'm trying to backtrack the math so that overlapped your the end of your first role by about two to three years if yes. I'm not mistaken yeah yep. okay so <clears throat> when she was going through that what kind of influence did she have on you none at all so she tended her own garden well it, it wasn't even um that she didn't have any influence or anything it's I didn't have a problem in my mind right she had the problem I see she was the problem okay not me right you know, so it, it's just, it, it just kind of takes what it takes. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to by any means put any focus on your mom, but I recognize that in order for somebody to have habits and behaviors, and it doesn't matter if they're good or bad, um, you have to have a support system in place mm -hmm. that allows that behavior to continue. Right. Right. And you know, I just find it an interesting perspective to see that dynamic when there was an overlap. And I'm just curious as to when, you know, what was happening right in front of your face, mm -hmm. you know, finally clicked with you. Um, it doesn't sound like your mom had a lot of her sobriety, had a ton of influence. It was more, and I believe this to be an accurate thing as well, it was more about self-realization. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. sure. Okay. For sure. And it was... Um, Honestly, I don't remember her ever saying, you know, come to a meeting with me or, you know, we need to get you into treatment or anything. I don't remember just because I was, I, I yeah. lived in a fog, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I truly don't even remember. I'm sure she did. Uh, I'm sure she did do that. But yeah, it was waking up that, that afternoon and looking back on like, what have I done? You know, what did I, what did I do? Right. How did I end up? here and I remember the way that my face looked when I looked in that mirror and I looked like I was 20 years older than what I actually was you know the big bags under my eyes that stayed mm -hmm. you know and just the dark circles and the rosacea on my cheeks you know mm -hmm. which is a common thing for alcoholics to have and right I, and I had it and my eyes the whites of my eyes were like yellow and I looked at myself like who are you yeah. yeah. It was just a, it was a weird realization. And, and I'll never forget that feeling. 
of like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Right. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is going to kill me. Which is probably the most significant and strongest thing you've ever done at that point. I think so. Yeah. You know, you're, uh, 29 years old, 29, 29 years old. And, and I mean, what, what, what was your, what was your, uh, professional life like at the time? Like where, I mean, do you, do you feel like you were a productive member of society at that point in your life? Actually, that is the one thing that, that I, I have pride in is that even in the midst of that addiction, I always had a job. Was I the best employee? No, probably not. <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> right? um, but I always worked. I always, you know, paid my bills. That was one of the things that, you know, my parents really instilled in me is, you know, being self-sufficient and, and paying, paying your own way in this world that nobody's going to give you a handout. Um, so I always had a job. Mm-hmm. I always paid my bills. Um, I always, you know, did the best I could in my own mind to take care of my son. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't say that I ever had a job that lasted more than a year or two. Right. You know, in the mortgage industry, um, which is, you know, what I do for right. a living, what you mm-hmm. do, um, it always takes about a year for the files to come back. Right. Audited. Uh-huh. And I would get to about that year, year and a half, oh. be like, okay, got to go. <laughs> My attention to detail wasn't exactly the most thorough exactly. and or up above board. Right. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during your first, you know, the, that 10-year period, 13-year period that, that you described, was there any other substances that you were involved in? Yes. Yes. Do you mind sharing or? I don't mind at all. Um, I was a cocaine addict. Okay. Um. I, I used a lot of cocaine. Okay. Um, so much so that um, I was out one night uh, with a girlfriend of mine. We were in Grand Rapids at the, I think we were at the Bob. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was New Year's Eve. Okay. And uh, this girl kept, you know, shoulder checking me. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was not happy. No. <laughs> And I said to my friend, I said, if she shoulder checks me one more time, I'm going to, I'm going to knock her, you know. Yeah, you can swear. I got the E up Okay, You can say ass. (laughs) I'm going to knock her ass out. Okay. And uh, she did it again. And I hit her and her her boyfriend hit me. Whoa. And broke my nose. Okay, then. Right. So I had to go, um, I had to have surgery. I had a deviated septum. Well, well, I was on the table um, having my surgery to put my nose back right. together, uh, my nasal cavity collapsed. Oh. Yeah. And um, my 45-minute surgery turned into four hours. They had to redo your whole nose? They had to redo my whole nose. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, the doctor came out and asked my mom uh, if she knew about my little habit. Okay. And obviously, she she didn't. Okay. So that was, I was, I think, 27 or 28 at the time that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't touched it since, since, okay. you know, December 28, 2004. Well, that's amazing that, I mean, you, you obviously have an addictive genetic makeup, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's a pretty addictive habit. Yeah. And for you to be able to kick it like that, you, you know, it just kind of, I guess it speaks volumes for signs from heaven, if you will. I'm not sure if 
if you believe that. Yeah, I do. I don't know if I do, but at the end of the day, there's always something that kicks in that says, oh, boy. Like you said, you looked in the mirror and you're like, this isn't who I am, right? right? And um, for you to be able to kick it like that and not yeah. find another way or another avenue, right. that's pretty awesome. That's Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a miracle is what it is. You yeah. Know, it's, it's Good thing she didn't stop bumping your shoulder. Right. I, I mean, right. something horrible that happened to you. Turned, turned, out, in, turned out to be, you know, the thing that saved my life. Yeah. And and thankfully it was to you. Yeah. Right. A lot of times people have that awakening and mm-hmm. it's somebody else that they've hurt. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, you might have blackened an eye, but you didn't crash a car. Right. You didn't end a life. And Thank that's, God. yeah. And so that is lucky for everybody. Right. So, so let's, let's get, so you went to rehab. Um, well, I went to rehab um, when I was in Cincinnati. Um, the, the morning that I, I got up and my parents were doing an intervention, my mom took me to um, an AA meeting where I, I just sat there and I cried through the whole through the whole meeting. But I didn't touch another drink again for ten years, or drink or drug for okay. ten years. So you didn't have any treatment. No, the first time. The first time, no. Okay. And you just you just made a conscious decision. I did. Um, the first six months of sobriety, I, I white knuckled it. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, it was it was a it was painful. Mm-hmm. It was painful to try to stay sober. Um, I would sleep at the club, the West Club um, in Lansing, hmm. uh, Alano West Club. I would. They had a couch upstairs. Okay. I don't know if it's still there or not, but I would sleep there. Not what, overnight. What? So what, what is this place? Um, I've never heard of it. So. Yeah, it's Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. It's the, the Alano West Club. Okay, so they have uh, like a, they have meetings there, and it's mm-hmm. kind of, is it a safe haven for people to go to if yeah. they've... Okay. Yeah, So is. you just get up in the morning, you'd start doing your thing, and if you felt like you needed to, you just went? Well, um, in the AA program, they, they make suggestions of doing a 90 and 90, and that's 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm-hmm. So one meeting every day for nine or for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did about a thousand meetings in 90 days. I mean, just it was nothing for me to hit six meetings a day. Um, at the time I, I wasn't working. I was living at home with my parents. I was really just trying to focus on staying sober. Um, so I went to a lot of meetings that first 90 days and, and a lot of meetings in the first six months. So during that time, you're disappearing mm-hmm. like from your parents. Like they mm-hmm. they know you're, they think you're going where you're going mm-hmm. and you were going where you're going. But how hard was that relationship to mend when every time you walked out the door, your mom or your dad or your stepmom or whomever you're staying with is going, are you sure you're going there? Yeah. Because I mean that's the reality. Sure. Like you yeah, had absolutely. you had a family friend drag you out of a strip club half naked. Yeah. I mean that we don't all have that story. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, so how how was that relationship like? How hard was that to rebuild those relationships? It took years. It took years. Um, I remember when I was young. At some point, my stepmom said to me, um, "It takes years to build trust, and it takes one day." to destroy it. And that like resonated with me. And I think about that still as an adult. Um, I broke their trust. I I didn't just break it. I blew it up. So it took years to, you know, to recover that, those relationships and that full 10 years, you know, I, I think I had gotten the trust back. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know. They they all seemed, you know, to like me. Right. <laughs> Again. <laughs> well, <laughs> you had they, they had to, right? Uh, they don't I'm have to not, like uh, me, but they, they loved me. They didn't have to like I, me. I, I love what you said there because it's true. I mean, and it, it's true whether it's your parents, um, a significant other, even coworkers, you know. Um, so those that are listening understand that. Like, y- it takes years to build, and it takes an instant to lose trust. Mm-hmm. It's such a finicky thing. Yeah. Um, so, so you 10 years sober. Yeah, 10 years. What happened in those 10 years? So in those 10 years, I uh, I got married okay. um, to a man named Aaron, mm-hmm. and he gave me two more children, um, Alexander and Charlotte, and they are, I mean, my three kids, I hit the kid lottery. I don't know what I did to deserve the kids that I got, but they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that 10 years, Aaron and I, our marriage didn't work out. Um I met him when I was four months sober, and that is hugely frowned upon in, in the AA program. Okay. Um, they say, you know, the first year, nothing. The second year, if you can keep a plan alive, then maybe you're ready for a relationship. I just jumped in. Okay. I jumped in. I, I got sober. I got married. Oh, and I had a baby in the uh, first year. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you pissed all over the... Yeah, <laughs> the, the relationship sure did. borderline there. <laughs> so we'll come back to that for in a minute. But I want to know, like, why is it? Because I've never gone through a I'll, I'll give you a little bit of just five cents worth of my background. I like to drink. OK, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem, but I probably have a little level of social addiction. I'll, I'm mm-hmm. I'm aware enough to, to note that. Um, but it's nothing for me to not drink for three weeks and I don't. Yeah. Even care. Right. It's so um, I have no frame of reference yeah. when it comes to trying to balance, say, maybe keeping relationships going in my own sobriety. So why why do they say that when when they say for the first year you shouldn't get into a, a relationship? Well, in the first year of sobriety, you're really just rebuilding your yourself. You're rebuilding your life. You're clearing the fog out of your brain, um, you know, just rebuilding self-confidence, being able to be in the world and be a productive member of society without that one thing that, you know, was basically like air okay. for you. So just as a, an outsider, not understanding it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't a social partner with similar beliefs be an advantage in that situation? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it worked out for me, right? You know, um, we being i don't know how to really put this into words um being addicts we we you don't want to take one addiction and replace it with another you know so you get rid of the alcohol but you replace it with a person okay is essentially and you know i I'm not a super AA no, know, I, genius or anything like that you just been through but, something i haven't and yeah. there's and there's people that might listen to that that yeah. get to four or five months mm-hmm. and meet a, a recovering addict yeah. and, and go, we have the same goals, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And hell, he might be, you know, a heroin addict in right. recovery and I'm an alcoholic and we're going to, you know, we don't have addictions to the same things, so it's not going to be a big deal. Right. You know, I'm not going to be like, let's go to the bar and just be like, okay, you know? Well, for me, mm-hmm. I looked at it as... Um, so I'm, I'm in this 
new relationship, I'm four months sober, what if he wants to drink at the house? And, and he's okay with drinking, but I'm not okay with drinking, but I'm safe with him. Mm-hmm. I bet I could have just one. Okay. Or I bet I could have just two, but I'll stop at two. Right. And then the next day, well, I did good with two. I bet today I could have three. Okay. So is that what happened? That's not what happened okay. with me. Right. But that's that's why they make okay. that suggestion. I, I got you. Okay. So you're explaining. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So you're answering big question. Yeah. So in, in AA, it's you don't have rules. Right. You don't have to do anything. Right. You have to just want to be sober. Mm-hmm. Everything that's you know in the AA big book and in the 12 steps, it's all suggestions. Right. This is what has worked for us. So if you take our suggestions, you might be successful like we are. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah, this worked for me, so right. it could work for you. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's why those things are just kind of frowned upon. Understood. You know, it really does take a full year for you to, to clear your brain from the fog. Um, and I keep calling it a fog. It's, it's really, I mean, that's what it feels like. It feels foggy yeah. in your mind. I would imagine so. I mean, I, I've been drunk, right? Yeah. And you're, it's a foggy event. And if you're doing it every day, right? I would imagine even even the day after drinking mm-hmm. is a fog. Like yeah. you're just like, oh, this is ugh. And that's what it feels like, right? All the time. All the time. All the time. Oh yeah. So okay. So now we're let's get back on track. We're you're you've met Aaron. Yeah. And you've. Now had a child and gotten married, and we're in 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 the upward swing of the ten year sobriety. Piece. Yes, yes. So Aaron and I got divorced. Um, let's see. I was I was thirty nine. No, I was thirty eight. I take that back. We were married nine years. Okay. So a year after my divorce, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm coming up on on ten years. Yep. I, I I met somebody. Okay. Okay. Um, he didn't understand alcoholism. He didn't understand, you know, that I, these were, I couldn't drink. I can't drink. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he started dropping little hints, you know, little, little nuggets. I bet you could have one. I bet you'd be okay. And so what that did to me is that started to put that permission Right. In my head. Okay. And for several months leading up to my, you know, my quote unquote relapse, and I call it a quote unquote mm-hmm. relapse because it was a conscious decision that I'd made. Right. You know, I hear, you know, you hear people, I fell off the wagon or I had a slip. I didn't fall off. I jumped off face first and right back into my addiction. Um, I was sober. 10 years and three days. And uh, I got December, or I got uh, sober on December 28, 2004. And I drank on New Year's Eve, 10 years later. And that night, I got blackout. So you went, yeah, yeah you, you, when you say you dove in head first, yeah. you, I dove in. You, you're like, give me the fifth of Jack. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yep. Okay. Yep. If I'm going to do it, if I'm going to do it, let's do it. Oh my. And um, I was with the, the same girl on that New Year's Eve that I was with several other uh, New Year's Eves when I broke my nose. Okay. She's my best friend. Uh, we've, been, we've known each other for 
25 years, yeah. you know. Um, at least 18. At least 18. <laughs> at least 18. Um, but now I had my son, Billy, who is out of the house. Mm-hmm. He graduated. He was gone. And, and I've met, just so the listeners know, I've, I've met Billy. I was able to watch him grow a little bit mm-hmm. over time with our relationships and yeah. professional relationships and such. He's a good kid. Like, I mean, he's, I remember meeting him, um, cannot remember where we were, but he was 17. He wasn't quite 18 yet. And he shook my hand like a man and said, hello, you know, and greeted me like he was a 25 year old trying to get a job from me, you know, very, very polite, very professional, very, yeah. yeah, So he's, he's, uh, at this time, yeah, because it's right around this time, yeah, right. You're, you're talking about, um, I, I had a pleasure meeting the kid and, and if I got to imagine he wasn't too terribly thrilled with some of your life choices at that point. He really, really wasn't. Okay. <laughs> he really, really wasn't. And, and he was, you know, he was, I think he was then at 18, maybe. Yeah, no, he was out of, no, he was older than that because he had, he was out of school and out of the house. Anyway, yeah, no, thank you for saying that. Yeah. He's, he really is a oh, he is. He's stellar He's a- he is. He's a great kid. Unless he's changed in, since like three no, years ago. I no, mean. <laughs> no, he got better. No, good. He got better. Good. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm really proud of him. Good. I'm really, really proud of him. He's, he's, he's the dad that I always had hoped he would be. Right. And he's the man I'd always hoped he would be. He just, he makes my heart happy. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him so much. Well, just that's a good kid. That's awesome to hear you say too, just because, um, you know, he grew up without a father. Right. You know, and um, I mean, he had a time with Aaron there. And yeah. I met Aaron once or twice. I don't know him well enough to know if it was a good or a bad dude. I have no opinion. Yeah. But um, I do know, if I don't, re- if I recall correctly, he did step in and he did. try and play that father figure to Billy, you he know, did. in a lot of ways. Um, of course, you had your father and your stepfather there to to guide him. So that's, that's pretty awesome testament to just... Your family as a whole. Well, Billy took uh, Aaron's last name. Okay. Uh, when when Billy turned thirteen, that yes. was his. Do you remember that? I do remember that actually. Yeah. yeah. That yep. was that was his wish. He wanted to have the same last name as as his brother, his little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before Charlotte was born. But he wanted to have the same last name as you know his mom, his mm-hmm. his his quote unquote dad, right? And his brother. So. So so what was uh so let's get back to. Uh, drinking 2.0. Yeah, drinking and, 2.0. And you're with your friend New Year's Eve. You black mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy's obviously old enough to tell you to piss off. Yeah, and he did. Okay. But that's exactly what he did. Okay. Um, deservedly. Mm-hmm. Um, he spent a lot of time, um, you know, communicating with Aaron, who, you know, they still have a, a, a good relationship. As they should, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he wanted to get the kids away from me. He was worried about his brother and his sister. So your son mm-hmm. recognized something. Now how, okay, so New Year's Eve. Yeah. So let's fast forward to this conversation you're talking about with Aaron. Um, when did, how long between A and B? Gosh, maybe a year. Okay. Maybe a so, year. So let's just say seven to 10 months, seven yeah. to 12 months. Yeah. Well, he, I hid it. I, you know, I hid that I was drinking again because I knew that it would devastate my whole family. Right. So I hid it as long as I could. Okay. And I, uh, one night, so I, I, I met 
a new person. Okay. Um, his name is Mark. Okay. Um, and there's a lot to, to say about Mark. Um, but one night Mark and I were drinking and he didn't know that, you know, I had a problem or anything like that. Okay. One night Mark and I were drinking and I called my brother mm-hmm. and I was wasted. And my brother and I are, are very close. We're very good friends. Okay. Um, and he called Mark the next day and he said, so she's drinking again. And, you know, Mark, they're both named Mark, right. by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to confuse you, my right. brother Mark right. and my boyfriend Mark. Okay. Um, so my brother says, you know, she's drinking again. And he's like, well, what do you mean again? And so my brother explained it to him. And, and he says, don't let her call me when she's been drinking. I don't want to talk to her when she's drinking. So that was like the beginning okay. of it. So um, this was two years into my drinking, not one. Two years into drinking 2.0. Okay. And uh, my mom, so I want to go back to her influence. Okay. So... When I first stopped, stopped drinking, you know, there was a little bit of influence. Drinking 2.0, she was on my ass. All in. All in. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah. Leave me alone. Let me live my life. Good for her. Absolutely. You know, that's. I mean, one night, I, I'll never forget this. She came over. She busted through that front door like she was the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I mean. She puffed up and she was like, we're taking you to treatment. We're taking you to treatment. What are you doing? She was yelling at Mark. She's yelling at me. And how could you let her do this? And, and I'm like, I'm my own person. He doesn't tell me what to do. La, la, la. Poor mom. Yeah. My that, poor mother. That's so funny that you, uh, you tell that story and I can hear her. Yeah. <laughs> I can so hear her in, yeah. in my head yelling at you and, oh, yeah. and, and her own little, she's got this there's no real definition of her like twang or draw that she has. You yeah. know what I mean? But I can just totally hear her. <laughs> to know where is the lover. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, so mom comes in a second time around. Yeah. She, she does what she was probably scared to do the first time. I mean, yeah. Oh, sure. To some degree. Oh, right? definitely. Um, yeah. Does what she needed to do. Then what? Mm-hmm. And, and then, okay. And then of course, Billy at the same time, Billy at the same time is saying, try, trying to get, you know, the kids and, you know, he's, he's working with Aaron and they're trying to do their thing. And, and my mom and my dad and my stepmom are, are trying to do, and my stepdad, they're trying mm-hmm. to do their thing. They're trying to get me the help that I obviously don't want. I don't right. want. leave me alone. Right. I, I'm raising good kids. I'm working every day. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, that's not entirely true. Right. You know, um, that put a, a really terrible taste in not so much Charlotte. She was still, you know, kind of young, but Alex. So it was, I was repeating the same behavior that I had with Billy. I was doing it with Alex now. And he was seeing the same things that Billy saw. Okay. And he was experiencing and having the feelings, the same thing that Billy went through, Alex was going through now. And that super bonded Billy and Alex. Um, and in the interest of keeping things a little bit shorter, I split this episode up into two downloads. So you want to check out episode two where Karen goes on to talk about where her life started about six years ago to where it is today. 
You don't want to miss it. It's a lot of great information. So download episode 3B and enjoy the show.